Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. You get to spend the next 30 minutes or so hanging out with me. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today we're going nuts. Yep, nuts. I get lots of emails about nuts, and (laughs) I get a lot of email from nuts too, but mostly about nuts. And the problems or the questions are usually kind of about whether or not they're healthy, whether or not they're considered proteins or fats, and if they have carbs, and if they have carbs, which nuts have the lower amount of carbs. And then there's a lot of people, and I fall into this camp as well, that have a real problem with portion control when it comes to nuts. They go nuts, for real. And nuts used to be my kryptonite. It's something I really had to work on and practice, and I'm pretty sure that somewhere on primalpotential.com is a blog post talking about how I've been known to throw trail mix out the window of my car so I didn't eat it all on the short drive from the grocery store to my home. Feeding the birds, nothing to see here. I have absolutely eaten a large bag of almonds in one day on more than one occasion. I have made a whole batch of roasted nuts and ate them all in a matter of days. So there are a bunch of things that I want to get into today because when we talk about nuts, there's just a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. So I want to talk about what's good about nuts. What are some of the health benefits and can they be fat loss friendly from an energy standpoint? And then what are some of the considerations that maybe we don't need, that we don't talk about as much when it comes to nuts? If we're going to eat them regularly, we need to understand the impact that they have in our body overall. And then looking at them kind of from a big picture, are they good for fat loss? Are they not good for fat loss? Are some great for fat loss and others not so much? And diving into how can we apply or learn and practice moderation strategies, or who should really kind of maybe just stop eating them all together for now or maybe forever. When it comes to the nutritional benefits of nuts, I mean, they're one of the few whole foods that's a blend of protein and fat and carbs. We see that with a couple of fruits and vegetables, but really not so much. I mean, there are very few whole foods that give us a little bit of everything. And different types of nuts have varying amounts, we'll get into that, but it's pretty neat to think that in this one whole food, we can get some carbs and some fiber and some protein and some fat, plus antioxidants and minerals, and they're convenient, they're portable, they're easy to carry with, they're easy to travel with, so it makes them really great convenient snack options, right? You don't have to prepare them, they're just easy. But they're also very different. A nut is not a nut is not a nut, just like 
you know, not all meats are the same or not all vegetables are the same in terms of the impact that they have when we consume them. They all have very different amounts of energy, right? And remember that calories are how we measure the energy potential within a food, right? Calories are a unit of measurement just like inches or miles or anything else. And the calories measure the energy potential within the food. So we have vastly different calorie content and fat and protein and carbs. So we have to look at them individually, all right? And I've put on the show notes for this episode, which I believe is episode 164, uh, I've put a chart to break this down for you because hearing me say it might, might be hard to kind of stick it to your memory. I know this is one of these things that's very visual. So I've put a chart to break down some of the most common types of nuts by their calories, their carbs, their fiber, their protein, and their fat. So let's just look calories-wise at the differences in calories per one ounce, right? One ounce of nuts, obviously the size of the nut, you know, you can get some Brazil nuts where one nut might be close to an ounce, right? Whereas with almonds, you might get, you know, a small handful in an ounce. So that's something important to keep in mind. But let's look at the differences in calories per one ounce. With almonds, you're looking at, and these are approximate numbers, approximately 163 calories per ounce. Cashews, 156. Pecans, 196. Brazil nuts, 186. Macadamia nuts, over 200, about 203 to 205. Pistachios on the lower end at 160. And walnuts right in the middle, around 185 calories per ounce. Carbohydrates vary too. They're not None of them are super high, um, but we go anywhere from four up to nine, looking at the grams of carbohydrates per ounce. Almonds is about six, cashews about nine. Pecans, Brazil nuts, and macadamia nuts between three and four. Pistachios higher than uh, the almonds, but lower than the cashews at eight. And walnuts with about four calories or grams of carbohydrate, sorry, uh, grams of carbohydrate per ounce. So the pecans, Brazil nuts, macadamia nuts, and walnuts are all pretty equivalent there. Almonds in the middle, pistachios and cashews on the higher end. Grams of fat per ounce varies wildly. Cashews and pistachios are on the low end, right, with about 12 to 13 grams of fat per ounce almonds with about 14 grams of fat per ounce, and then walnuts, pecans, Brazil nuts, around 19-20 grams of fat, between 19 and 20, and macadamia nuts with about 22 grams of fat in one ounce, which is a small handful for most nuts. Protein, pretty consistent, between three grams for pecans up to six grams for almonds and pistachios, so really narrow range there. We see much wider ranges with things like fat and calories. So they're nutrient rich. But one thing I really wanna point out is when we look at, say we're in MyFitnessPal and we wanna see the nutrient density of a particular food, that doesn't mean that the nutrients contained within the food can all be used by your body, right? That's just not true. We have to ask ourselves, does this food not only contain these nutrients, but contain them in a way that my body can use them? And that's where we come to kind of the concerns with nuts because on paper, 
It looks like they've got lots of vitamins and minerals and a good little nutrient blend. But the problem is that within nuts, they have these built-in protective mechanisms that reduce the absorption of the vitamins and minerals contained within. So we have to break away from this notion of like what we see on paper as what's in it can all be used by our bodies because that is just not the case. Lots of plants have built-in defense mechanisms, right? And we see this with nuts, with seeds, with beans, with grains, and that is lectins and phytic acid. I've talked about these a little bit before, more on the blog than on the podcast, but I want to talk about what these are and what they do. They are found in nuts, both lectins and phytic acid, and these are kind of the components that are the difference between what we see on paper as the nutrient profile and what our body can actually do with the nutrients within. So lectins are one of these built-in defense mechanisms. And when we consume lectins, and in this case we're talking about in nuts, they can irritate our gut lining, our GI tract, and they can trigger inflammation, okay? And they inhibit the metabolism of protein. So when we look at nuts and we're like, oh, they're a good source of protein, well, they're an average source of protein, but that's before we consider the fact that the presence of lectins naturally in the nuts actually prevents some of, if not all of, the protein that our body can use. Now, there are things we can do to neutralize or reduce the lectins and phytic acid, and we'll get there, but I just wanna be very clear that if you are somebody who has GI distress or uh, gastrointestinal inflammation, irritable bowel, digestive challenges in general, you might really benefit from dialing back your nut consumption or cutting it out for a couple of weeks and seeing if your symptoms improve, right? And we'll get more into the inflammation side of things, but the same is true there. If you have systemic inflammation or chronic joint pain or migraine headaches, which can be an inflammation issue, you might want to dial back or cut out for a while the nuts and see if your symptoms improve. Phytic acid is another one of these defense mechanisms found in nuts. And basically, they can bind, phytic acid can bind to minerals that we consume, right? Minerals that are in the nuts or minerals in other foods that we eat. Let's say we sprinkle nuts on top of a salad full of vegetables and these vegetables have minerals. The phytic acid in the nuts binds to these minerals and prevents them from being absorbed. So when we consume a lot of phytic acid, and it's not just in nuts, also in wheat and grains, right, and beans, this phytic acid binds to things like zinc, like iron, magnesium, calcium, chromium, manganese, right, a bunch of essential minerals, and it prevents or reduces its absorption. So we cannot just look and go, oh, look at all those minerals in those nuts. We have to ask, does my body have the ability to digest and metabolize and absorb those minerals? And nuts make it very hard. If we think about animals, and I just get curious about this sort of thing, like what about animals that eat a lot of nuts, right? Like squirrels. I love watching squirrels chew on nuts. How do they do it? The reason that some animals can thrive on a high nut diet 
is because they produce more of an enzyme called phytase that breaks down the phytic acid, right? So that they don't suffer from these nutrient deficiencies because they wouldn't live very long if their, their diet was very, very dependent on nuts and they couldn't get the essential minerals that their bodies require, right? Humans do pr produce a little bit of this phytase, but not very much, okay? So kind of implies humans can eat some nuts, but probably not a lot, right? I wanna make a point, a very, very strong point, and I'm gonna make this several times throughout today's episode. I don't want you to hear one thing and then immediately jump to the conclusion of, OMG, I can't eat nuts. It's rather, the perspective I want you to take is, how does this information apply to me, right? For example, if you are somebody who eats a lot of grains, or wheat products on a regular basis, then you would need to be more concerned about the impact of phytic acid more than a person who doesn't eat wheat or grains or beans, but has a handful of nuts every once in a while, right? It's dose dependent and we have to consider, really not look at, oh my gosh, this is, this is bad, but how does this apply to me? How can I minimize the effect of this nutrient binding? right? Instead of, I can't eat nuts, are there things that I can do to support the nutrient bioavailability, right? I can make sure, for example, that if I'm going to have nuts, I'm not going to consume them with mineral-rich foods, like the example I said a couple minutes ago, on a salad. Maybe you just eat them by the handful by themselves, right? And you'll see, I, I, I share at the end of most episodes what I ate yesterday, and you'll see I eat nuts. I don't eat a lot of them, right? A handful of walnuts or almonds, but on some days, not all days. And here's what I think when I consider this information. I don't eat beans or grains or wheat. And I also eat a ton of vegetables, sometimes with nuts, but the majority of the time without nuts. The other thing to consider, just like the nutrient composition is different. The phytic acid content is different based on the type of nuts. Cashews have more than almonds by a long shot. If we're looking at 100 grams of nuts, how many milligrams of phytic acid? Cashews have over 1,800, closer to 1,900 milligrams of phytic acid per 100 grams of cashews. Next highest would be hazelnuts with just over 1,600 milligrams per 100 grams of hazelnuts. Almonds are in the middle of the pack, about 1,300 milligrams of phytic acid per 100 grams of nuts. Walnuts are way down on the list with about 760 milligrams per 100 grams and then really at the bottom of the barrel would be chestnuts. They only have 47 milligrams per 100 grams. So we also have to consider what kind of nuts do we have? Like I don't eat cashews very often, right? I never eat hazelnuts. Um, so for me, if I were looking at this as, well, nuts are a huge staple in my diet, then I might need to make some more changes than if I'm saying, I mean, I have a couple of handfuls three or four times a week, right? I don't want you to look at this as a black and white yes or no, but rather ask yourself, how does this information apply to me? The other thing we need to keep in mind when we're considering nuts is the type of fat that is most prevalent in nuts. And it is polyunsaturated fatty acids, which 
We don't need to dive into that. I don't want to get lost in the weeds. What I want to say is that nuts are fairly low in omega-3s and higher in omega-6s. In general, we want to have the opposite ratio, okay? Because omega-3 fatty acids are anti-inflammatory. Omega-6 fatty acids, when we have an imbalance, when we're consuming more omega-6s than omega-3s, we create inflammation in the body. And when we're, when we're consuming more omega-3s than omega-6s, we reduce inflammation in the body. And inflammation is basically the starting point of every disease, so we want more omega-3s and less omega-6s. Well, the primary fat in nuts is omega-6 fatty acids, okay? So... I don't want this to be an alarm going off in your head, but rather I want you to ask yourself a few questions to help you understand the impact of this for you, okay? So you have to look at, well, what is my ratio in general? And I'm not suggesting you need a hard and fast number, but if you look at your diet, and omega-3s come from things like fatty fish, like salmon, or grass-fed beef. And omega-6s come from processed foods, come from corn oil, canola oil, uh, from, from uh, we're talking now about nuts. So where, where am I more dominant, right? Most people are consuming way more, like 20 times more omega-6s than omega-3s, and so focusing on switching that ratio is really important. So when you're considering, do I need to make changes based on my nut consumption, ask yourself, well, am I consuming more omega-3s than omega-6s? And since it's really the ratio that matters, what can I do to lower my overall consumption of omega-6 fatty acids, eating less processed foods, right? Eating less of your crop oils like canola oil, soybean oil, dialing down your nut consumption while eating more of the fatty fish, right? Or the grass-fed beef or whatever else it is, okay? So that's one thing to consider. What other sources of omega-6 am I consuming and can I dial that back, right? How many omega-3s am I consuming? And again, we're not looking for a high, uh, an actual hard and fast number here, but what can I do to increase my omega-3 consumption? The other question you need to ask is, is inflammation a problem for me? Do I know that it is? Do I feel joint pain? Do I get headaches? Do I have high blood pressure? That would suggest that you have a need to make some adjustments here and reducing your consumption of nuts can be one of several changes that you make. The other thing is, how often am I consuming these nuts and in what quantity and which ones? Because there's different amounts of omega-6 fatty acids in each different type of nut, right? And I've put all of these numbers on the show notes page over at primalpotential.com so you can get all those numbers right now, right there. Just go to primalpotential.com, hit the podcast tab, and I believe this is episode 164. So if we look at the grams of omega-6 fatty acids in one quarter of a cup of a bunch of different nuts, let's see, one of the highest is pine nuts. And I know there's not a ton of huge pine nut eaters out there. I, I never have pine nuts. I don't like them. Um, but you've got about 12, and I'm rounding here, 12 grams of omega-6 fatty acids in a quarter cup of pine nuts. Walnuts are pretty high in these omega-6 fatty acids. You've got about 10 grams per one quarter cup. 
Brazil nuts are also up there, seven grams uh, in a quarter cup. Let's see here, pecans, about six. Almonds are in the middle of the pack, around four grams of these omega-6 per one quarter cup. Pistachios are in the same range, around four. Hazelnuts and cashews are lower in the around three grams. And then the lowest would be macadamia nuts, which have about one half of one gram of these omega-6 fatty acids. But remember, those macadamia nuts also have more energy, have significantly more fat just from other sources, okay? So I want everybody paying attention to what is this information mean for me based on what my body needs, based on my overall diet, instead of just, oh, nuts are bad or, oh, nuts are good, right? We need to keep in mind, too, that just because on paper they're loaded with vitamins and minerals, it doesn't mean that we can absorb all of those vitamins and minerals. Now, obviously, the easiest thing to do is just dial back your consumption, right? Any degree of improvement represents an improvement, and our bodies respond to progress, not to perfection. The other thing we can do, and this is related to the phytic acid and the lectins, is if you are concerned about this, if you suffer from inflammation but you just love your nuts, you can soak them, and you can do this with seeds too, soaking them overnight in water with some salt helps to neutralize the phytic acid and the lectins, okay? Now, if you soak them and then you allow them to dry, do not let them sit indefinitely forever unless you roast them. Once you soak them, they're more prone to having mold grow on them. So if you're going to soak them, that's great. After they dry, eat them, right? Or if you're not going to eat them right away, roast them or dry them in a dehydrator just so that they're less prone to the mold. So this doesn't impact the omega-6, but it does impact the nutrient binding. Now, the other issue that I really want to talk about, and this might be more of a concern for most of you, is moderation, right? So many people have this issue where a handful of nuts turns into like 20 handfuls of nuts or the whole bag of nuts, and you feel like, yeah, I'm making better food choices, but my portion control has gone bananas, right? The very first and most impactful challenge that I would give to you is stay away from roasted, salted, or seasoned because, and I talked about this in the series that I did on flavoring added to foods, they're hyper palatables. They are designed, they are manufactured to make you eat more. When we eat foods that are salted or seasoned, they're processed, right? Somebody got the raw nuts and treated them in a way that makes you want to eat more. That is a marketing strategy. So if you struggle with overeating nuts, eat raw, unsalted nuts. It is way, way easier to overeat salted, seasoned, and roasted nuts than raw, unsalted, unseasoned nuts. So that is the primary change that I think will have a very high impact. The other thing, and some of these are real common sense, guys, is don't buy large servings. Why keep a big bag of almonds in your pantry that causes you to draw on your self-control a bazillion times a day. You're creating a situation that's hard on you that doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be there at all. Lots of stores have bins of nuts and you can take just what you want to eat for that day or don't keep them in the house. Don't make life harder on yourself by forcing 
your willpower to kick in over and over and over. The other thing to consider is which nuts do you struggle with the most, right? For some people, and I've shared this before, one of the reasons that I have walnuts in my house is because they don't tempt me. I am not gonna go get a handful of walnuts. It just doesn't do it for me. I love to cook with them, but I'm not just gonna like dive into walnuts. They're just, I mean, I love them in food, but I don't love them on their own. Now, if it was almonds or macadamias, several times throughout the day, I'd be thinking, oh, I want a handful of those. And why make life harder on myself in that way? So know which ones are a larger trigger for you and just minimize their presence. Um, the other thing is, let them go for a while. Just cut them out for a while. I've had to do that with a lot of things. I've done that with nuts. I've done that with dairy. I've done that with apples. And it's not that they're unhealthy foods, but anything overeaten is not going to help you reach your goals, whether it's an apple or it's an almond or it's whatever. So if right now they're representing too much of a challenge for you, let it go. Right? I've never seen that movie, but I want to sing Frozen every single time. And I feel like it's appropriate. So maybe next time. And lastly, and this is huge, guys, stop telling yourself that you have no control when it comes to nuts or anything, because you do. You have total control. You might not be practiced, but when we tell ourselves, oh my gosh, I have no control when it comes to X, Y, Z, you're gonna be right every single time. So one of the biggest changes you can make is the way you think about it, because if you instruct yourself every day, I have no self-control when it comes to X, Y, Z, you're instructing your brain. And then when you're faced with a decision, your brain's like, well, don't forget, you have no control when it comes to this thing. And incorporate, you know, 17 pounds of almonds into your belly in seven minutes. So stop telling yourself that you don't have control because you have total control. You might not be in the habit of practicing it, but you have total control. This isn't some like exorcist thing where as soon as you see almonds, you get thrown up against a wall and they just start flying into your mouth. That doesn't happen. And if it does, don't tell me because I'll have nightmares for a really long time. Bottom line with nuts, know if they are a trigger for you. With all things, moderation. Nuts should not be a staple of the diet unless you're a squirrel, right? And somebody told me recently they were listening to the podcast on like one and a half speed. And they said, when I laugh, I sound like an evil squirrel. So maybe I should eat more nuts. But that's a whole nother topic for another day. Eat your nuts separately from your vegetables if this is a concern for you, or you can soak them in salt water overnight. Just roast them or dry them afterwards if you're not going to eat them in short order to prevent any mold growth. Increase your consumption of omega-3s. If you don't want to give up your nuts, that's fine. That sounded weird. Don't give up your nuts. If you don't want to give up your nuts, uh, eat more omega-3s. And stay away also from nut oils, right? I'm sure you see when you look at like the olive oils and stuff, you might see pistachio oil or something like that. When we strip the nutrients from the nuts, like the antioxidants, they become less stable. And then typically we heat those oils, making them even less stable. And that is not good because those fats get incorporated into our cells and they're unstable. And we just don't want unstable fats as a structural component of our body. Moderation in all things, right? Stay away from the hyper palatable, salted flavored versions and really ask yourself, what does this mean for me? How do I apply this sensibly in a way that represents an improvement in my own life? Very little in life is black and white. So don't panic 
about the nuts. Just look at what can I do to make an improvement and do I even need to make an improvement? Is this something I need to focus on right now or is this small rock or a small nut, whatever whatever you want to say. That could mean different things to different people, but that's okay. Let's finish with what I ate yesterday before this gets awkward. Um, funny that I mentioned giving up dairy. I had successfully given up dairy for months, and yesterday I decided to have some Greek yogurt, which is fine. I'm not upset about it. It was a totally a conscious choice. I uh, had a tough workout and was feeling a little bit queasy. And I don't know why I went for Greek yogurt when queasy, but I just wanted something easy. So after a few months off of Greek yogurt, my first meal of the day after my workout of pushing a sled across pavement was Greek yogurt and I just added some raw cacao powder to it. And then uh, later in the day, I had my normal cabbage bowl, which is raw cabbage with, go figure, walnuts and bacon and eggs. Uh, didn't have any avocado with it yesterday, but did have avocado with my dinner, which was a can of salmon mashed with a half of an avocado and a few cups of raw veggies, just carrots, peppers, cauliflower, stuff like that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said, the numbers that I went over, as well as some of the facts about phytic acid and lectins and all of that, are over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. And I will see you soon with another episode. I hope you like this one. If you guys have requests about topics or things you want me to talk more about or less about, this is your show. I really want to help you. So shoot me an email, let me know, and we'll make it happen. Have a great day, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.